Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Our next guest was put under contract by the Ford Modeling Agency when she was just 16 years old. She was one of the first supermodels ever. She's also a mother of seven, a grandmother, an amazing cook, an entertainer, a New York Times bestselling author, and a cancer survivor. She uses her humor and truth to reflect on her life and share her story every day on Instagram. She's also my dear friend who is here to talk about all the ways that she is flourishing. Oh, flourish. I love that. Thank you, Susie. I'm so happy to talk to you. Uh, We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. Okay. It's wonderful. Let me just say it's wonderful to finally meet you. You're even more beautiful in person, semi-person. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a pleasure to, uh, to have you, you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank, thank you. Aw. You what? <laughs> okay. I'm very Italian. You have to be really careful because I cry at everything. Okay. That's okay. 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 I, I, don't, say, I don't say anything <laughs> I don't mean, so I mean that from the heart. I know that about you. So, so thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Christina, you yes, have I- a big, huge life a big career. Tell us who you were as a child. I was one of those kids that never colored outside the pages. You know, I was always, I did everything I was supposed to do. I was afraid to lie. I was afraid. I always did my homework. I was a really good kid. But my passion was from the time I was three years old to be in the kitchen with my nana and my mother cooking. From the time I could stand on a little stool and help them chop or do whatever, it was always in the kitchen because to me, that's where the life of the family always was. And family was always important to my parents raising us. And I continued that throughout my lifetime. So family and friends and food and eating have always been a part of my life and who I am because I express my love and my appreciation to all my friends through food because it's the only thing that I think I can do really well. I know I can do a lot of things, but I know I excel at that because of the love that I have for what it is that I do with food. Well, that's so interesting because I know you to be one of the most incredible cooks and you're my inspiration because my pots and pans are in the oven. But what does that say about the career that you had? What was the transition like into adulthood? Well, I started actually modeling when I was 14, when a friend, I came home from school one day and my mother was sitting with a friend that we had moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Los Angeles. I came home from school. This woman I never met was sitting there. And she said to my mother, you know, your daughter is pretty. She should be modeling. And of course, my mother didn't know where to go, but she introduced me to a woman named Nina Blanchard, who at that time was the counterpart to Eileen Ford in New York. And I went in to see her. She told me I had to lose 10 pounds and I'm still, I still have it. Like 50 years later, I'm still trying to lose those same pounds. <laughs> anyway, she told me to lose 10 pounds. And I started modeling here in Los Angeles, but it was one of those fluky things where I walked into Max Factor one day to meet the Max Factor people and they put me under contract to them. Uh, and I had a 20 year span with them, but I was the like their original Max Factor girl. 
by the time I was 18, I went to New York City and I signed with Eileen Ford and I went on the go rounds and I met Richard Avedon and Scavulo and all the, the and I was shaking in my boots. But Scavulo actually took some test shots for me for Cosmopolitan and also for Vogue magazine. And what happened three months later, the cover was chosen and I had eight pages in Vogue and I never looked back at the early age of 18. Boom. That just just happened overnight. I didn't even know what hit me. You know, I didn't even know that story. Yeah. Let me ask you, what did you start to know about yourself during that time? You know what? I don't even know if that it, it. I always thought that things came so easily to me at that time that it did not. I did not know that it was not going to serve me well into my adulthood. It's like, what do you mean I didn't get it? What do you mean I have to fight for it? What do you mean? What does this mean? You know, I, I didn't understand that. And that played a, a big psychological, I don't know what it did. It messed me up pretty good, you know, where I didn't think I was good enough or pretty enough or whatever. And then I, I made the mistake of getting into movies and television, which is worse because the rejection was really, it was really unbelievable. It was hard to grasp as a young girl where I thought I love everybody and everybody loves me, but that wasn't the case. That's that's a big lesson to learn early on. Yeah. 14 to see yourself through other people's eyes, what they saw of you, the external beauty, but not being able to maybe appreciate the internal beauty. Let me ask you, what would you say are some of your biggest accomplishments and your biggest failures? My biggest accomplishment are my children. I knew you were going to say. Oh, oh, you know that. Well, yeah, are my children. And what was the other one that you said? The the. What would you say your biggest failure has been? I've had a lot of failures in my life, but the one that hurt me the most and and uh, uh, that really really hurt me and I, it's hard to talk about was when I was fired. I've been fired from several jobs for reasons whatever. But I was fired from Home and Family, which was a two hour for the Hallmark Channel. And it was a two hour live show every day. And I gave my heart and my soul to people there and to the show. And four and a half years into it, I was fired from the show. And this was just like six years ago. And you would think that at that age, I'd say, oh, you know what? You know, I'm 102. I should move on. I I shouldn't worry about these things anymore. That was devastating to me. You know, as a woman aging, You know, I never thought of myself as a woman who was getting older. I never thought of myself as that. And all of a sudden, I am thrown out of a job and they put in a younger person. And it's like, wait a minute. Excuse me? I just couldn't grasp that concept. That was really hard. I remember that time. And that was a really profound time because you were living this big life. You were doing the show that you really love to do. And then the unthinkable happened. 2016, um, you know, I was I was fired from my job, and then I, I wasn't feeling well for a while. For I was feeling odd for about two months, and I kept thinking it's the flu. I'll get over it. Uh, and so I finally, the, the girls, Alexander, Ariane, and Tony, and I went to the gym, and they said, "Mommy, you got to exercise. You got to you'll feel better." And there was a machine there that you go on there, and they kind of it rattles your body. It's supposed to build uh, bone mass. So when I got off of it, I had the most horrific headache. 
And I said, wow, I got to go home. I need aspirin, whatever. But it wouldn't go away. It was excruciating. After the second day, I said to Tony, I need to go to the hospital. This is not normal. This is just not normal. I feel terrible. Long story short, I go in there. I get into the emergency room. They take all, they did a PET scan because I guess when you go in with a headache, they have to do something with your head. I remember there's a, a good friend of ours who's head of cardiology at the hospital they took me to. And he's a very good friend and love him. He walks into the emergency room. He takes Tony's hand. He starts crying. And then Tony starts crying. And I go, okay, so you two have to stop this. I mean, you just stop right now. I said, am I dying? I said, what's going on? And he says, you have multiple myeloma. And I said, Okay, well, I don't like the word multiple and myeloma, probably, it probably means some kind of cancer, right? And he said, yes. I said, well, what is it? He said, it is the cancer of the plasma of the blood. And I went, okay, well, that's not good. This, this does not sound good. He proceeded to tell me, you know, everything about it and that I should not go on the internet, which of course I did immediately. And he said, you come home, you go home and come back. This is Monday. He says, you come back on Thursday and we'll start the test. I said, no, no, no. I'm staying here overnight and you're going to start the test tomorrow morning and I'm going to start my research. And I said, we're going to sit and discuss how we're going to, to handle this. But the strangest thing happened to me, Susie, when they told me what the two men were crying, you know, and they told me what I had. Uh, and it's not curable. Multiple myeloma is not curable. I knew right then and there that I was going to be well. There was just some inner voice. I don't, you know, God, whatever you want to call it. I call it God. There was an inner voice that told me, you're going to be fine. You're going to do this. But the lesson I learned from that is that sometimes your chain has to be pulled in order for you to go into the direction that you're meant to go in. Mm. So I truly believe that. And you know, it stopped everything. I was fired. I had to deal with what I had to do. I decided to get a stem cell replacement immediately, which I did. I ended up in the hospital at City of Hope for, a, I was supposed to be there a month, but I got out in two weeks because I just did. My doctors attributed it uh, though to, to not, not only good medicine and good doctors, but because I was healthy, it, it, the, the, the myeloma is a cancer of the blood. And, you know, you can't, a lot of things happen when you get cancer through foods and the environment and all this, but blood cancers are things that happen that are, could be hereditary. But anyway, that's what I had. But because I always ate healthy and clean, my body was able, my immune system was able to recover almost right away. It, it, it took me six months, almost a year to get my seed legs back, but there was no way that I was going to let this beat me. I was very, very fortunate. I had good doctors. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that time. I remember coming to your house and you were like, I'm going to beat this. Well, How you have to- can I ask a question? Yeah. So you didn't have chemo or radiation or anything like that? No, I did not have chemotherapy, but I, uh, well, I have chemotherapy in the form of pills that I'm okay. still on to this day. The only chemo I had was the day of my stem cell. They have to do something to knock, I don't know what it is they need to knock out of you. And that, you know, I lost all my hair. I was bald. I went through that whole thing, but I decided to own it. I went out bald. I photographed myself without hair. This is what it looks like. You don't have to be afraid. Susie, you saw me without my hair, you know, and I believe it's a combination of good doctors, good medicine. Thank God I had insurance because God knows where I'd be today without it. God knows I wouldn't be here. 
be honest with you. And a good attitude, always a good attitude. And laugh. You have to laugh at least three times a day from your heart. You got to laugh. That, you know, it just it loosens everything up. It's all positive energy. And the, and the other lesson I learned is that, you know, all the things that you hold inside of you of things that happen and people that have hurt you, that was a big wake up call to me because I had to get rid of all the negativity in my life, even the people that I felt ill towards and, and I know felt ill towards me because I was inviting negativity into my space and that makes you sick or sicker. So I had to learn how to forgive and to actually call up the people that I've hurt or that I felt animosity or anger towards, whether they accepted or not was not the point. I, I wanted them to, but at least I was able to release it from my body. Now, the, the thing too about being fired, I had 75 people on our crew that I, and I loved every single one, every single one, every day. And maybe four people stayed with me and the rest just abandoned me. And when I asked, you know, I went to go see a psychiatrist because I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't recover from the pain and the hurt that I felt. And I said, I got to, I got to do something. And I said, why am I, why is this so profound? I feel like I've lost like my mother or my father in a death spire, a death. And she said to me, you had 75, it's not like you lost one person who died. You lost 75 people all in one day. And you're feeling the effects from that. It took me a while. It's been four and a half years. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt anymore. Wow. It doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. Can I, I'm sorry, Suze. Can I ask sure. you another question about forgiveness? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm challenged with the idea of forgiving others before we forgive ourselves or the concept of forgiving others in place yes. of forgiving ourselves. Yeah. Can you yes. say a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, I had to forgive myself too for the things that I did that I did, I don't count myself, I don't count like when you're a child because you're growing, you don't know any better, but as an adult, you do. I've always been a straight person. I've never cheated anybody. I've never purposely hurt anybody, but, or sabotaged anybody, but I had to forgive myself for doing things in my life that were probably not the best thing for me. And, and jealousy, pride, pride is a, a terrible I call it a sin is a terrible sin and, and jealousy is too. There are a lot of things that I was jealous about. So I, I had to forgive myself for feeling all that stuff. And it's nothing really bad, but it's things that, that I needed to do in order to move forward. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Yeah, about yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, you know, cancer affects not just you, but the whole family system. Oh, oh. Well, I'll share just one story with you. The yes. whole family said, yes. When I couldn't stop crying and carrying on for days, every day I would cry as if, you know, you, you know when someone dies and you, you go to sleep and then you open your eyes, you're fine for like a few seconds. And then you remember, oh my God. And then you start crying, but it's like from your gut. Mm -hmm. So um, this went on for days. And my girls actually moved back home to help their dad and to help me. And Ariana, after about three weeks, she had a little dog in her hand and her backpack and her suitcase. And I go, where are you going? She says, I'm going home. I said, why? She said, I'm not staying here and watch this pity party anymore, mom. She said, you see that man over there? And that she pointed to her dad. He was standing by the fireplace and he was as gray as his beautiful hair is. And 
he, you know, I could tell he was broken. And my, and you know, Alex really well, she internalized, this is my other daughter, Alex with 20. She internalizes everything and shuts down. And Ariana is like, you know, she confronted me and she said, unless you get help and you call somebody to figure out why you can't get out of this, she said that I'm leaving and you call me when you're better. And I went, okay. And she said, no, here, here's a number. You call right now, make that appointment, which I did. And I started talking to somebody. And in the interim, what Tony did is he wrote a piece about men being caregivers because men never really talk about their feelings. It's true. And he, and I know you read it because I know he sent you that letter. And he also sent it to my friend, Maria Shriver. We've been friends for like 40 years, whatever. And so I, I sent it to her and she put it in her Sunday paper. And she said the reaction that she received from men was overwhelming because they said they felt everything Tony was expressing. And I'll tell you what it is in a minute, but they never knew that anybody else felt like that. So men internalize everything, right? One of the things that surprised me was when he handed it to me to read in it, he said, first of all, he was, he was scared to death because he thought I might die. The fact that he's going to lose the mother of his children. And then as he says, the love of his life and his wife and all that, but he also talked about the times when he resented me. He resented I was sick. He didn't want to be the one that was always home doing the pills, running around, doing, taking care of me, taking me to the doctors. He wanted his old life back. And he talked about at times how he didn't even like me because the medicine I was taking turned me into a person that my girls call Ristina Panari, <laughs> which is evidently my evil twin. <laughs> Because she says, so when my kids get up, they go, okay, Ristina, you know, when I start getting like a little bit, you know, off, off the edges. So they, they did that, the Ristina Panari. It was the medicine uh, that really affected me because the, the chemo is pretty hardcore stuff. Now, after six years of it, I've been leveled out. We found a recipe that works. And, you know, and I go every six months for my bone marrow. My last one was a month ago. I was completely clean. You know, it never goes away. It's always that little tiny little microscopic thing, but you keep suppressing it. So your immune system suppresses it. That's why I take my medicine. But I'm at a stage now where I'm able to handle it. And I'm so much nicer than I used to be. I'm not so crabby. What did you believe after that that you didn't believe before? Well, it's pretty much the same, although, you know, I, I always have arguments with Tony, especially in the climate today, but I don't want to get into like what's going on today, that I believe that most people, the majority of people are really good people. They want what we want for our kids, for our family, for our life, you know, and I, I learned that there were so many more of us than there are of them. And what I need to do at this point, because I get so angry every day with what's going on, I learned to be more patient. I learned to listen. I learned to not try to cut people off when they're trying to tell me something because I always thought I knew better, even with my kids. I'm like one of those helicopter moms and it's been really hard because nobody knows better than me. I've been through it. Let me tell you, I've been through it. Let me tell you how to do this, you know, because I want to, I want to have you avoid all the pitfalls. So you'll have a perfect life. I realized that I can't do that. Everybody has to skin their knees and their wounds have to heal themselves. I learned that failure is opportunity disguised as disappointment. 
because whenever, you know, I fail at some, I call it failure, but it's not, it's not, you know, like getting a job or, you know, even with, with my girls, when something happens for them and it falls through, they go, oh, I'm a failure. I go, you're not failing. You're not a failure. I said, this is the next step in the chapter of your book. And I said, because I look at life as chapters in a book and uh, I'm in my 20th, my 58th chapter right now, because I've had such a long, long life, but we're always, and I hate to use that expression, you know, works in progress, but we are, you know, when they say one door opens, another one shuts, but that's true. That's true in the succession of life. And no matter how disappointed or how angry I am, it, whatever happens, happens for a reason. And it always turns out to be the best thing that ever happened. If I hadn't gotten fired from that job, I would not have my food company today. Well, let's talk about that, okay? So I I know that you've done a lot of research and you're passionate that the foods that we eat are so, so important. Tell us about Flourish, where that came from, what it is, what you hope for it. Well, yeah, I've written six books. And if I may say one New York Times bestseller. So Uh, you absolutely I've I've earned it. I've earned it. I've earned it. So I'm going to say that. Which Um, book was the New York Times bestseller? It was it was okay. So I don't have a headache. It was the one where you and I went to Chicago. We went to see Oprah. The minute I was on, I got on at nine o'clock. And at 9.15, when I finished and I called my husband, he said, guess what? Your book went to number one on Amazon. <laughs> it's because of Oprah, of course. I remember but that. I mean, yeah, we went. The so Flourish. Tell us oh, about yeah. Flourish. Yeah. So um, I was right in the middle of writing my sixth cookbook. But I, because of my illness, it turned me into a different direction of what I wanted to do with the cookbook. So I believe that food is medicine for your body. Totally. A hundred percent but food can kill you and food does kill you. There's heart disease, diabetes, all kinds of cancers that you can think of. And it's all caused from foods that we, it's hereditary, some of it's hereditary, but most of it is because the environment, the air we breathe, the pesticides, the processed foods, all of those things. And and the obesity is out of control in this country. And so I said, I want to do a book where people can eat the things that they love to eat. If you want to eat a pizza, let me show you how to do it so you won't hurt your body. You want to eat pasta, you want to eat potato chips, you want to eat desserts, let me help you do that. So I wrote this book called Food for Thought with my friend Maria, does everything she can to help find a cure for Alzheimer's. Her dad passed from it as my mother did. So we watched how they you know, went into the abyss. It's the most painful thing ever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it comes from toxins and your body becomes not anti-inflammatory. What um, You have to eat foods that are anti-inflammatory. When you eat foods that cause that, you know, alkaline in your brain and, and your heart and your gut, because the your, your health comes from your gut first, then your heart, then your brain. And all of these foods that you're eating affects your brain, affects your heart, affects your gut and causes these diseases in your body. So here, I'm going to write this book Every ingredient that's in the book, I explain what it is, why you should eat it, what it's doing for your body. And there are just two things in life that you need to eliminate. And one is processed sugar and then hydrogenated oils. Hydrogenated oils are oils that solidify at room temperature, you know, like butter and coconut oil and, you know, things that uh, you leave it out at room temperature and the oils just solidify 
So you have to pick out the oils that are good for you, good for you to eat and substitute that, put that into your cooking and into your diet. The sugars, I came up with all these desserts where there's no processed sugar in it. And I sweetened, I like I, I do a chocolate mousse. It has no dairy and no sugar in it. It and is fine. I've had it, it is, it tastes just, and I don't say it, I serve it to my family. They go, oh my God, this is the best. And even guests that come over, the best uh, chocolate mousse I've ever had. And then when I tell them what's in it, they can't believe it. It is actually made with a sweet potato. And oh. if you look at a sweet potato and the way it's shaped, it looks like your pancreas. And that particular food happens to feed. There are certain foods that's, that feed certain parts of your body, like carrots do your eyes. You can actually see the pupils. You know, when you cut them round, you can see the pupils in there. Uh, avocado represents the uterus and it has a seed in it. So what is that? That's your seed, that's your baby that you'll carry someday or not, whatever, but it's shaped like a uterus. Grapes, which are, I call the long, uh, the low hanging fruit, which are good for testicles. <laughs> I, I, I went on Dr. Oz, I went on Dr. Oz and I was trying to explain this to him. And of course, when I mentioned like the test, he couldn't even talk to me. It's like, <laughs> you're a doctor, you know, you should know these things. Uh, the tomato, it's, it has lycopene in it. It's shaped like a heart. It feeds your heart. It has the chamber. And one other thing that blows me away, if you look at a walnut, it looks like your brain. It has a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. You should be eating those foods every day. And there's so many things you can cook with it using those ingredients. I, I'm very, very proud of the book. As a matter of fact, I have to talk to my publisher about, they just said, look, it's been out for six years and we're not gonna be publishing anymore. I said, well, now's a bad time to do it. I'm trying to get them to put it back on the market again. It sold very, very well, but you know, it had a seven year lifespan, so. Christina, what are your thoughts and how do you get the message out to communities that don't have the ability to buy those foods, that don't have the access that you do, that we do. Everybody has access to carrots. You know, what, what do you mean? Like, um, well, what, what happens is the, the people buy things that are already processed or foods that are already cooked for you. And then you stick them in the microwave or in the oven. And that's what they're going for. How hard is it for you to pick up fresh lettuce or tomato? You know, and when they say, oh, it's organic, it's, ex it's expensive. Not, not the Albertsons, Ralph's, all those stores, uh, stores are carrying these. And there may be five cents more than the, the, the ones that are processed. They're better for you. They look, they're prettier. They have more vitamins and minerals for you than the ones that are sprayed. I, I, if something doesn't say organic on it, I won't eat it. I just won't. And there are many, many places where you can go to get organic foods. You can go to you know. actually sort of just talking and thinking about the information, how to get the information out. Well, I'm very happy to see that the news and the press are talking about eating and healthy eating. Now there's something about it almost every day mm -hmm. uh, and uh, on health issues. And now, you know, with the COVID things and everybody's been in the house and everybody's gained 20 pounds, you know, sitting around, they're talking about it and they're talking about how foods affect the body. So the news is, pick, is starting to pick up on it. Newspaper articles, things that I see something in the paper almost every day on some health issue caused by foods and what you can do in recipes. So it's just a, a point of, you have to take control of your own life, of your own health, especially as women. You know, I tell my daughters, you need to go get 
a cancer screening for breast cancer. You need to get the what did the papilloma virus. And I'm always, t- did you do this? Did you do that? And so now they have trained themselves to know what it is that they're supposed to do. And when I was sick and whenever I was sick, I always took responsibility for my health. And I'm diligent about it. And if you leave it to other people or if you ignore it, that's when you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So you need to ca- take control of your life and your own health and, and, and be an advocate for, your, for yourself. Because you know what? I'm not good to anybody dead in my family. I'm not good to anybody if I can't be around. I know. You know. And I know you use your platform, your Instagram, and you share your stories and your secrets and your truth every single day. What's next for you? I really want to build this company out. I'm concentrating on Amazon. You could order our uh, Flourish cereal on Amazon. We're going to be on Walmart Insta- uh, a cart where you can order us on Walmart and in the Air One stores here in Los Angeles, which is the premier health food store. From that, our next thing is we're distributing a bone broth for pets. I always go pet bone broth and it sounds like we're boiling pets. We're not. <laughs> this is this is bone broth made for pets for their health because dogs and cats get cancer too and they're dying because of the crappy foods that they're eating and the fillers and the additives and stuff that they put in in, in all that stuff. But from, that's our next thing because uh, the pet food, food industry is booming right now. And I want to get in on it with our healthy organic bone broth for pets. I want to do soups. You've had my soups, sauces, salad, dressing, desserts, grab and go. And we're just talking to some people now. Hotel chains want to put our little bags of cereal, uh, the flourish cereal in every room. So instead of going for that snicker bar, you can go for our chocolate chip cookie thing. And it's all organic. It's all GMO free. It's gluten free. It's vegan with the except for the chocolate chip. The granola is amazing. Which Which one is your favorite? Do you have one? I like the original. The original, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that. Yeah. But my husband likes the banana. Is it the no the peanut butter? The peanut butter, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, it's good for you. You know, we we I sweeten it with uh, pure maple syrup, and maple syrup does not raise your glycemic index, which is you know which you don't want to do. You want to keep it. You want to keep your your blood sugar level level, and that does not. And there's not a lot of it in there where it can hurt you, but it sweetens it just perfectly where you feel you're getting a crunch and a little bit of sweet and you're having a candy bar because you have these little tiny little baby chocolate chips in it too. As a matter of fact, Ariana and I are tonight and we're going to cuddle up and watch TV and then we're going to have hot chocolate and I'm going to put some coconut whipped cream on it. So I'm not using dairy whipped cream and sprinkle it with the little baby chocolate chips. It's like having, you know, candy. Delicious. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And people can get that on. Well, on Amazon, you could go to Amazon. Uh, if you punch in Christina Ferrari granola or flourish, which is spelled F L O U R I S H. So it's, <laughs> I have to think about, it, cause it's flourish and R the O U R is R mind, body, spirit. That's what that means. You know, flourish R mind, body, and spirit. And that's And when your body, when you can think clearly and you don't have all that sugar rush and everything and and stuff in your body, I'm very cognizant of the fact that when I eat something, how it makes me feel. So if I have a candy bar, which I do sometimes because sometimes I just want one, 
I feel terrible afterwards. So I have to, do I eat this and I know what's going to make me feel terrible? Okay, I'm going to eat it. And then I do, and then I'm sorry that I do. But those, you know, I can't go the rest of my life never eating another French fry, which by the way, you can make by using an air fryer. <laughs> you order an air fryer, one tablespoon of, of olive oil, all these potatoes, they come up nice and crispy, and you have French fries. I tried, Christina. I tried to get Susie on board. She rejected it. About the air fryer? I couldn't figure it out, but that's another story. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Let, let's just talk about it for you for one second. You can't cook for any, you cannot cook. So I understand, like, I don't know, God, what you would do with those potatoes if you put them in an air fryer. I mean, she, I love it. She likes to do the recipes, but she opens the book and she said, oh, I'm going to make this. And then she notices she's missing five of the ingredients because she doesn't have them in her pantry. And it turns out terrible because she makes it anyway without the ingredients. She said, oh, I'll just put it in. You know, I, I don't need it. You're, well, you're a really bad cook, Susan, but I love you. Some people are good at other things, but I so appreciate how good because <laughs> you always feed me. So I love you. I, I want to thank you so much for coming on. <gasps> Are we done? Well, there's one more, right, Katie? Thank you so much for coming on. I've been really enjoyed hearing about your life. I really appreciate your presence and what you're doing in terms of, you know, nourishing the country, teaching us how to eat well. It's so important. There's one more question. The name of the show is Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. Tell us how you are changing the narrative. By being authentic and being truthful and just continue my passion to me. The one thing in life that you need to move forward in anything you do is passion and to hook into that passion that you have in your life. And I don't believe there isn't anything that you can't accomplish if you have passion and you're authentic and love yourself. But, but can I say something to JD? Cause I tell yeah. you stuff all the time. I've, I've never had a chance to really talk to you and see your face and see how your eyes shine and light up. You, you have the most beautiful smile and uh -huh. your goodness comes through. I, I, could, I could feel it. I feel it coming through. So I want to thank you thank for you being so, so gracious and so kind and, and, and giving me the opportunity. And you too, Susie, for letting me talk. I love you so much. I do. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you for coming on and sharing your journey and your story and your authentic truth. Well, thank you. Okay. See, Come on it, wasn't over bad, it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be, Christina. See, you just yeah. like sitting around your living room yeah. chat. No, we do. We, we do a lot of time. We, we talk, we talk almost every day about three or four times a day. She, she, she's like a second mother to Alex and Ariana. And mm -hmm. so what they don't tell me, they tell her. <laughs> and I say, what they say, what? she won't tell me anything, you know, uh, but all I know is after they talk to her, they, they just, they change their attitude. What is different until the next time? But they, and I'm very grateful that she's there for us as a family, Thank and you. me, and for me as a friend. Yeah, yeah. We have to tell one time the Oprah story when we drove when we came back from uh, Chicago on the plane and stuff with Oprah. What we we have to go through? We have to talk about that sometime because that's a sorry. <laughs> We'll do that. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, honey. Thank you so much. Mom, mom, mom. I'll talk to you in like in 10 minutes. Bye. Thank you. Blessings, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. JD and I want to thank our fabulous producers at I Am Music Group. And for all of you out there who want to do your own podcast, go to IamMusicGroup.com and the team will hit you back. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with JD Fuller.